0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of One Perfect Game, the show where we talk about video games and the people who play them. My name's Matt Tilby, I'm your host for this excellent adventure. Come and join us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this week it's pretty much about video games and the people who make them. I am finally talking to a person who has made a video game himself, uh, or at least in a team, Uh, I'm talking to a Boston, Massachusetts native uh, and one of the, well, I guess the lead creatives on uh, a game released recently late last year called Hack. It's a uh, a bit of a die and try RPG, I guess is probably the best way to put it, but uh, Kevin Cole is his name and uh, he's part of Supertry Studios. Kevin, it's a pleasure to have you here.
1: Hi Matt, so happy to be here and thank you for using my die and try nomenclature, that that means a lot (laughs) (laughs)
0: well I'm using it straight off the uh, off the label I guess I'm trying to keep it as uh, authentic as possible but uh, yeah yeah. (laughs) but uh, the game itself like hack in in sort of a in a loose form well I guess we're going to do a bit of an elevator pitch uh, for Mm -hmm. people who hadn't played the game Um, Mm -hmm. what is hack
1: Um, hack is uh, a, a die and try RPG Uh, Most people would call that a roguelike, but that can be a kind of loaded term. Um, uh, So I kind of wanted to sidestep that in the marketing. Um, Hack is a roguelike that uh, has um, sort of an evolving, shifting story that involves our relationship with computers and escapism and manticores.
0: Wow. So (laughs) certainly a very loaded sort of uh, setting and scenario for that one. Uh, yep. <laughs> i mean like it's it, looking at the sort of footage of it first up and, and seeing sort of gameplay of it, it it looks very sort of like there's a lot of mixtures between i can see a bit of star tropics in there is like mm-hmm. there's obviously a couple of games and sort of um like different sort of styles that you've been trying to mesh together to create that sort of that sort of experience i'm assuming
1: yeah when i first uh started the game i um I wanted I I wanted it to feel like an old game that you found somewhere, like if you're exploring an attic or something, you came across this old dusty computer. What what kind of game would be there, and that sort of uh, like evolved and and flowed into uh, the narrative, and that kind of my my first like uh, rule I set for myself was colors can't touch, because mm. that made things seem very um like old. Old, it seemed like kind of an old-fashioned rule like for for old chipsets or something that we can do anything you want it's just colors absolutely cannot touch
0: yeah I mean it, it's it's certainly a very sort of vibrant game especially mm. um, contrasted with that almost very dark backdrop and sort of the grid that you'd been using for most of the game like mm. um, it certainly seems that there's a lot of uh, thought put into a lot of the design work but obviously you work with such a small team and what I was sort of wondering was like what what are sort of the advantages of working with that sort of small team do you feel like you can get things sort of decided on a lot easier or what's what are some of the the key um the key points of having such a small team to work with
1: um i really like uh i really like working alone and doing most of the things myself um <laughs> however i also like having um I also like having a good game at the end of the day uh, and so I, I I'd like to work with people who can provide something that I absolutely cannot. And I, I, when I first started out, it was uh, just me and Joe Keneally doing the music uh, in my first game. And Joe uh, uh, decided to come with me uh, to make Hack, um, wh- which is amazing because he's an incredible musician. And that has never been a thing I have been capable of. Mm. And uh, my first game, uh, Project Maiden, was uh, very um it, it was incredibly educational to make uh but at the end of at the end of uh, development, the story had just been mangled and rushed and crushed into just something I could like throw at the air and call a story like the game ran and that was all I was concerned with and for hack i wanted you know i wanted to say something um and, and, and well more importantly, I wanted the game to say something it didn't necessarily have to be uh so like from me and so I brought uh, Hadley St. Clair on to write the story and there uh, they they sort of like latched on to what the mechanics of the game were saying and what wh- what was important to be uh, said about video games and escapism and uh, running away and failing <laughs> which, which are all very uh, uh, key themes of being in a roguelike but also kind of being alive, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so you, uh, we our team is like, um, it, it's mostly me, uh, like put putting in full time work, and towards the end of the project and the middle of the project, uh, Hadley was also putting in like lots and lots of hours, and but it's mostly me, like at the at the core of it, working on it every day, and when I need a thing. Um, usually it's a it's a short meeting between me and Joe or Hadley, and I'm just kind of the nexus. Like they're both really talented people, and they're both really independent, and which is great for me since I'm a I'm not the I'm not the best director in the world. So like I can just be like, hey, I need something that sounds kind of like this, and Joe's like, got it, and they'll just go off and do a thing. And it may not be the thing I expected, but it's always better than the thing I like expected.
0: Well, that's the thing, like. <laughs> especially with such a sort of small team and the way that you're sort of working independently but also in the sense you're working kind of in a team, like, mm. um, it must have been sort of a, an interesting sort of um, turnaround to go from your first game and, and you were sort of saying it was kind of rushed and whatnot. Like, mm. you had, I'm assuming you had, a, you said it was about two years, I think I saw. Yeah. From the sort of start of Hack to when it was sort of released late last year. Um, what sort of, was the the key part of it to sort of rectify those sorts of rushed, you know, feelings of it being rushed or being inadequate in terms of a story?
1: Mm, it was one of my biggest hurdles with my first game was learning how to make games in general. Um, I mean, that's a good never, start. So yeah, yeah, that's that's probably that's probably worth a year. But I I was um, I was so sick of my job and I just kind of quit and I knew Kickstarter was a thing and I had a lot of friends so I figured I'd give I'd I'd give game making a shot not really ever having completed a game at all and um I I managed to make enough to like float me for the development although I thought I was only going to be doing it a year the the project just exploded and I had to and on top of that I had to learn and I, I was trying to make like my Opus and that's not a great scope thing for your first game. You shouldn't go straight to Opus. You should probably just start with your first game. Yeah. Um and so uh by the end of the two year cycle for my first game, uh I had horrible tendinitis, I was emotionally exhausted. I was uh, uh, sleeping four hours and working eight hours, and sleeping four hours and working eight hours. I just completely wrecked myself, but I still loved making games. I was just like, "How can I do this without destroying myself?" And I think most people would be like, "Just have a plan, and you know, um, like trim your scope down, and 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 just try and make something within scope, and." For me, I, I was like, what if I just did it again, but didn't destroy myself? And that was my only real, like, that was my only real, like, guiding principle was, uh, one, this game has to come out. Uh, two, it has to say something, and it has to feel complete. And uh, three, I can't, I can't torture myself or destroy myself doing it so you really and, just
0: took your time with it and sort of just fleshed it out a little bit more
1: yep um around the around the one year mark um I was like i I am okay like the game is not out, but i'm not uh I'm not in anguish uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so i'll 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 count that as a victory and i'll I'll ask for a little more help and i'll and I'll just get, I'll I'll just get through it. And yeah. It it was a it was a it was a dark rough year that ne- that well this last year it, like there were some there were some low points but then you know once I got the game out to beta testers I could figure out what was wrong with it and once I knew what was wrong with it I had a list of things I could fix and it just started coming together um, and in November I was just like this game has to come out now or else it's never it, it's it's now or never like this thing has yeah. to go yeah yeah and it 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 wasn't as big of a crunch as my first game which i guess i can label a success and i'm really really happy with hack like it is uh i I was really proud of my first game because it was like this big mountain that i like climbed and i and i did it i didn't do it artfully or or beautifully um in my opinion but i i did it and i was proud of it and i was ready to do another one and with hack i'm like this is this is a game that i would actually play for fun and sometimes do yeah
0: i mean it's it's certainly a a a big sort of struggle that i've i've seen you go through and certainly the this the reward that you've you know come out of at the end is is certainly great um but where to now? Like I mean, you've you've got this game that's come out and it looks great and people are reacting to it really positively. Like I even had a bit of a look on the Steam reviews of it and usually those ones those reviews are a bastion of just spam and, and just mm-hmm. it's almost mm-hmm. like the, the YouTube comments of uh, of Steam, so to speak. But everyone seems to be liking it quite a lot. But where to now for Super Try Studios?
1: Well, um, in between uh, quitting my, my job and now, um, I've been playing um, a, a, a tabletop role-playing game of my own invention every week with my friends, um, oh. and we've just sort of been uh, evolving it and shaping it over five years. And about six months ago, um, I, I, um, I, I, I met up with uh, the, the Continue boys, uh, Paul Ritchie, uh, Nick Murphy, and Josh Henderson. And we decided to make a podcast where we play um, our, well, I guess my game, Space Kings. Um, and uh, that, that podcast is now doing pretty great. Like we have people who are like trying to figure out how to play the game based on the podcast. And then all signs kind of seemed to point by the end of Hacks development that Space Kings was going to be the next big project. Like I, I'd always wanted to make the book, but now there was like demand for it. So, this is my first project with like any amount of hype around it. <laughs> so, which is which is weird and scary and fun. Um and yeah, that's been um that's been the last couple months for me is putting together the book. Um I'm working with uh with Hadley again, um I'm working with a few other people to to bring the to bring the book to life and like kind of make it um kind of make it more than just a rule book, um kind of kind of try and make it uh, my my background is um, I did a lot of improv. I've basically be, I've basically been doing improv for ten years. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to write a little like here's how you do improv at home for your own mental health. Like. <laughs> so it's kind of been it's kind of turned into both a rule book and a a minor self help guide.
0: <laughs> so it's a a bit of a a bit of a, a combination of both and sort of just throwing chunks of each of it at at each other and seeing what sticks. But. I think that mm-hmm. idea of creating like your own sort of well, I guess spin-off of of Dungeons and Dragons and creating something that's you know entirely new and fresh and unique is is certainly a a very cool idea like um mm-hmm. it is it's that sort of style of tabletop game is certainly becoming so huge now for for people who are I guess wanting to play you know these sorts of computer games with their friends and really just um, sit down and take their time and, and have fun with it. So it's, that's a, a really unique sort of idea for you. Um,
1: yeah, I, mean, I, love, I love Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, I, I still play it um, and, I, and I still think it's wonderful and it's never going away. Um, but uh, for, for a lot of people, um, the, the prospect of, especially uh, Dungeon Masters, the prospect of having to organize and plan a campaign every week is very daunting and in many cases impossible with adult lives and schedules and we wanted to meet up every week and drink and not have to plan so much or do so much math and that is kind of what led to space kings
0: yeah it certainly feels like a a labor of love it seems Mm. um but now kevin of course we we are here for the one reason that we've uh, I've got you onto the show, and that's to talk about video games. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously every episode I ask the guests that I bring on uh, to talk about their sort of first experience with video games, or at least the first that they can remember. Um, so for you, what was the first experience that you had with a video game and, and um, what was your first sort of reaction to it?
1: Okay, I'm uh, I'm at a parade in my hometown and I have a green brick Game Boy, and on Ooh, okay. it is, is Kirby Two. And Ooh. I think that's my first. I think that's my first experience yeah. with video games.
0: So yeah, like I um, I I believe I had the like the real bright yellow brick Game Boy when it came out, and I was probably about oh, nice. five or six um, at the time. So.
1: It was uh, it was mustard in the in the in the um, in the in the uh, Nintendo Power ads. It was like the the green was relish, the yellow was mustard. Yes, yes, yeah. that's
0: that's it. I uh, obviously the, the the child mind sort of just thinks, oh, bright yellow, you know, you've got to pick it yeah, up. Yeah. But um, so Kirby Two was your first game.
1: Yeah, um, I, I I think um, I think I had like a, a Tiger Electronics Sonic the Hedgehog game when I was two. Um, and my mom really likes to tell that story uh of of, <laughs> of of me playing that thing everywhere but i don't think that was an actual game i think it was more just a thing that looks like a game just to pass uh, the time
0: i'd like most tiger a, ones were to be honest
1: yeah <laughs> yeah just a just a thing that makes noise um <laughs> but yeah Kirby, um Kirby like is is definitely I still have it it's on my bookshelf behind me and it's still a, an incredible game I don't think I really like appreciated it as a, a, a 45 year old I'm not even sure how how young I was but um yeah I I remember a lot of uh playing game boy outside because you needed sunlight yeah there, to see there the was screen. no there's
0: no backlight on the uh on the old game boy so you needed to be you know at least in some sort of light, if you're indoors or you know outdoors, is probably the best way to do it. But uh,
1: yeah, I had the worm light for car trips, but uh, yeah. yeah, I I loved that thing. I I like dropped that thing in mud. I like I I probably lost it in the ocean at some point. It still plays. Like the the Game Boy <laughs> is just an unstoppable piece of machinery.
0: Well, they're sort of the uh, the old uh, Nokia phones of um, of video gaming, so to speak.
1: Yeah they're just um they're just like they're just old calculator parts in in a tough plastic (laughs) shell
0: they're indestructible um but yeah so like you you've started with kirby uh two sorry Kirby Hmm. two and um you said you were probably about five or six at the time and and then Hmm. where did you go from there did you obviously jump into any console games or were you very much a, a handheld sort of person
1: well, my uncle left a uh, Super Nintendo at my house um, at some point. I can't remember when, and um, Super Mario World was huge in this household. <laughs> he said he he um, said he left
0: it like he's just. Oops, I forgot. <laughs> I've I've dropped my Super Nintendo here.
1: That's I don't know the, if anyone's going to pick lore. it up. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the family lore. We're not we're not really <laughs> sure. Um, we're not we're not really sure. But my dad. Um, my dad loved uh, video games. Like in college, he played a lot of uh, Galaga and, oh, yeah. and stuff like that. And um, so video games were always a part of my household as far back as I can remember. Uh, yeah, because I was I going to um, ask
0: like, um, whether your parents were like receptive of you playing video games. Um, oh, yeah. Some of my parents, well, my parents probably weren't as much as, as yours. But like hearing that your dad played Galaga must have been like he wanted to bring that, that lineage down through his family.
1: Um, my dad, um, when the, when, uh, the PlayStation one came out, he, uh, attempted to purchase it in secret, uh, so he could play final fantasy seven. Um, and my mom found out and, uh, that didn't, that didn't go very well, but she said, okay, this game is, uh, I hear this game is very adult. So as long as the kids never find out about Final Fantasy seven, this is okay. we found out almost instantly. oh my God
0: it's not as if Final Fantasy seven is like a, a you know a rated R game or anything no like, they say
1: ass in it though but and that's about it
0: I brainwashed the uh, the child's mind um, <laughs> so you were, you were definitely like a, a, a super we well, had a Super Nintendo and then you had we well, mm. had uh, the PlayStation one like obviously like the real peak of of gaming at that time like what were some of your favorites that you had then
1: um we had a lot of weird ones on the super nintendo um that were just like i don't think anyone else will have nostalgia for these titles things like harley's humongous adventures um plock uh oh my god
0: plock Plock, I, dude. I absolutely love Plock.
1: Plock is so great. I, I had
0: um, I had so many just sort of mixed memories with it, um, mostly because, A, I played it as a child and, and found it as, like, one of those bizarre games that you just couldn't keep your eyes off because it was visually, like, the most unusual game you'd ever see. But also, uh, it was tough as nails. It was so yes, it was impossible.
1: So, it was so intensely hard. I only beat it, I think... In, in high school on an emulator where i could save state because i just wanted i just wanted to say that i knew what was at the end of plock
0: and what was at the end of plock i never even saw what was at the end of plock
1: um, so you face off against the flea queen and you have um, a hat that shoots projectiles in multiple directions. For those of you unfamiliar with Pluck, a big mechanic is that you wear various costumes to accomplish various tasks, usually shooting things. Um, And in the final battle, you are put on a pair of spring boots and you have a gun hat, uh, and (laughs) your character is required to jump all the time and shoot, and if you fail, you go all the way twelve hours back to the beginning of the adventure.
0: <laughs> God, like it's it's unforgiving is probably the the best way to describe it. it. Even when I play like the first couple of levels, I'm like, how can anyone feasibly not have like any sort of major checkpoints or any sort of you know <laughs> progression Unfor- system? Yeah, it's so unforgiving and just it's almost. It's almost hot hu- like dreadful in a way to have that sort of lack of it's support. Cruel. Yeah, it's, it's cruel. It's it's, it's exactly it's cruel. what it
1: is. Oh, uh, it, it was two brothers uh, who, who made that game together. Um and I think they're from England, I think Durham, England, I'm not sure. Um but they they made the they made this game together and they were on such like a tight deadline That they didn't have time to figure out a password system before it just had to go. (laughs) 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 Like they're like, We wanted to do a password system, but That should be
0: that should be like it should have been like the first thing that goes into any (laughs) like any old school game is a password system or a save system. Like for obviously for new games. That should be the first thing you put in.
1: That's the problem with like being a game dev man is like i have i have sympathy for that i'm like yeah i guess you should have put a you should have put a password system in
0: well i mean now with most of your games like you can obviously you take a bit of sympathy for you know people criticizing
1: games like i you know i've
0: been there man i know how it feels
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know there were i know there were a million small things leading up to this big oversight
0: yeah exactly um, and then obviously you've moved sort of more into the more recent uh, current generations are you playing any consoles specifically or any games that you're picking up at the moment
1: well my dad hasn't slowed down um, as far <laughs> as video games go he has a PlayStation 4 and I'm a and I'm more of a PC gamer um, yeah uh, I, I I dip into the consoles occasionally for uh, the bloodborns um, the um, the the uncharteds. Um, but, I, I tend, I, I tend to be a little more interested in playing indie games uh, on on my PC rather than big AAA titles. I try, and, mm. I try so hard to play like one AAA blockbuster a year, just so I remember what the like what what people think video games are <laughs> and not get too like artsy well that's um, like
0: you've just you're saying you've you play a, a lot of indie games are there any sort of uh games that you would recommend for people listening to the podcast to probably pick up and play
1: um well i mean i do have one and it's called cave story but that's a transition to like a, a later part of the podcast i think
0: yeah i think we'll keep that under wraps <laughs> <Yeah>. uh okay <laughs> for yeah. the time being yeah, just
1: yeah, just bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as indie games, people should play. Well, um, right now uh, I am play I, I just finished Minute, um, okay, which uh, is 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 by um, uh, one half of Lamb Beer, Jan Willem uh, Nieman. and uh, it's it's a game where uh, you you uh, you're you're, cl- you're completing um, a-, a a Zelda style adventure but uh at the end of 60 seconds you always die oh so uh every it's it's a lot like Majora's Mask uh but like really really sped up so it's hard to get too frustrated at dying because you know it's right around the corner every time you start up
0: yeah Uh, that's it (laughs) I don't know why like because you obviously said Majora's Mask and like that's fair enough I thought of that that recent Tom Cruise film where he keeps dying in the military (laughs) And just sort of yeah. like revives oh, himself, yeah, yeah. and I'm like,
1: yeah, that one was super video gamey.
0: Yeah, and I was like, it's almost like Call of Duty Infinite Warfare with Majora's Mask in it. And I'm like, and the second you said Majora's Mask, it's like that should have been the thing that I I thought about. But no, I've gone to this weird Tom Cruise <laughs> <Nope>. film. So
1: <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, yeah, I beat that. Um, I beat that start to finish. I, I just uh, like totally latched onto it and. It, wilm it, uh, um, made um, a nuclear throne ridiculous fishing uh, with his company Vlambeer, and uh, he's he's just like he's just super cool. He does a lot of interesting talks, and so does uh, Rami Ismail, the other half of uh, Vlambeer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been I've been playing a lot of their catalog lately. I've been beating my head against the wall of. Um, Uh, of nuclear throne it's it's so intensely hard and so intensely good um i am about like four years late to that party though
0: (laughs) i'm about multiple years late to most indie games so it doesn't really matter
1: (laughs) um Um, i'm also playing um uh catacomb kids uh okay by uh by Forbid friday and it's um it it's a it's a platformer roguelike i've been I probably should have played a bunch of roguelikes before I made one, um, but I didn't have time because I was making one. Oh, it doesn't <laughs> matter. So you just I'm... go,
0: just dive head in, like head first. Oh yeah, oh
1: yeah. And now, and now I'm like catching up on all like you know on all the kids stuff. And Catacomb Kids is like this very. Uh, I think I think um, uh, Tyreke, uh the developers been working on it for a very long time and it's just so detailed and, and beautiful and, and interesting. Um, it's a game where in order to regain uh, a little bit of health back, you have to, um, you have to uh, drink a potion, and that potion may or may not requ- uh, give you health back, um, but you will get an empty bottle. And if you find if you find a dead bat, you can put the bat inside the bottle and jump into a lake to put water in the bottle. And then you can find a campfire to put the water bottle and dead bat in front of to make soup. (laughs) But at that point, obviously, your soup isn't seasoned correctly. So you'll have to go into a (laughs) goblin encampment and hope you find pepper or or hot sauce or something (laughs) to season your soup with. And only then will you get maybe like a point of health back.
0: This sounds like the most tedious uh, indie game I think I've ever heard. <laughs> I was um, I was getting flashbacks once again to Zelda with you know getting the fairy out of the bottle and thought you know, you know fairy and and then a bat like I could see the sort of tongue in cheek similarities there but then you've just gone all the way to making soup out of it so
1: that, te- there's tedious that. maybe but like detailed absolutely <laughs> like the the level of depth here is just like mind-blowing to me and it I I love that I love that he's had so much time to like put that much care into this game that may not be the best way to get health back but I think it's like that's what the game is to me the game is making soup in a dungeon
0: well that's it's most sort of uh indie games is having that sort of unique flair to it and being Mm -hmm. a little bit more diverse and and sort of out of the ordinary um which I guess makes most of the indie games so um fun and enjoyable because you've obviously got to stand out from the rest to, to sort of get that attention um, and I guess yeah, that, that, you, that's what happened you, with you guys as well. So,
1: yeah, you gotta be you, or else people pick up on the fact that you're just kind of like copying someone else, or you, you just gotta get weird with it. And, yeah. I, and I love it when I love it when it's very obvious that devs are getting weird with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, obviously we we've been talking about uh, indie games uh, that you've been sort of enjoying, but uh, we do move on to the main course, I guess, of mm-hmm. the podcast. Uh, and it is a game that uh, has influenced you uh, throughout your life or your your, uh, your job. And uh, you did sort of just uh, sneakily um, introduce it I'm there so a little bit earlier. I'm, it's completely ru- fine. It's, o-
1: it's only your second episode and I'm ruining your podcast. I'm so sorry. No, it's, I have no respect for the structure.
0: It's all <laughs> right. But uh, Kevin, what game have you chosen for us today?
1: Uh, uh, today I have chosen Cave Story. Yes. Um, 2004 is Cave Story? Yes, 2004.
0: Mm. And like that, that's such a, a weird thing for me because I always thought, you know, it was 2007, 2008 when sort of the indie games were, in, at least in my eyes, were sort of growing in popularity and, and sort of uh, becoming the big thing that everyone would play on their Xbox or, you know, um, would jump into a humble bundle and buy a, a whole bunch of indie games there. But when I saw it was 2004, I was. A little bit stunned like that was it was it so early for most sort of indie games but it really sort of birthed I guess the indie um, subcategory subgenre I guess
1: yeah this was back in the click and play days like the multimedia fusion um, game days that had like Cartman's Authorita and <laughs> Dragon Ninja Saga like weird games that you'd hear about on the playground and like Go home and download from like CNET or something sketchy. Like the like the the games were like incredibly rough, weird, interesting, but like the, the it was it was a it was a strange scene and a strange time. Like these were this was the pre YouTube days where albino black sheep ruled. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I was just about to say like around that sort of time it you would. Was- getting a lot of games especially from places like Newgrounds and obviously that's how mm. games like Alien Hominid you know basically went from flash sensation to an actual living breathing sort of um, you know actual title that was published on, mm-hmm. on consoles like um, and seeing this sort of uh, I guess transformation from this f- sort of flash game that one person has made on their own to this huge indie success that people sort of you know um associate with the birth of the indie indie genre and one of the best sort of indie games um ever made sort of it sort of shows how weird and sort of difficult the the road is for an indie game to go from um this sort of little creation to something that's um so popular i guess
1: Mm. yeah there is the 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 scene is so different now there is there, like, there, there could be, uh, there could have been like a hundred abandoned cave stories le- leading up to Cave Story. We'll never know. There was no like place, or or culture for um Pixel, uh, the creator, to to talk about it or promote it. He just sort of worked on it, um, built the engine himself, and uh, you know, ma- maintained life as a family man and and a, and like a, a and and his day job and also made one of the greatest indie games ever with no one to show him the way. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's such a like bizarre sort of story about it and reading how he just you know did it with no sort of, well, very little fanfare and was just doing it sort of almost as a hobby, I guess. it's uh, yeah. probably the be- best way to put it. And just, you know, it turned into something much bigger than anyone would have imagined. Um, for you, what was, uh, and then the same sort of thing with, playing video games for the first time what was the first experience of Cave Story for you how old were you where were you and what was that sort of first reaction for you again
1: so I must have been 16 um, and I was big into theater and uh, improv I had tried to program but I assumed it was for wizards and and smart people and everyone (laughs) else just kind of agreed with me and was like yeah this isn't for someone who gets like b minuses in math like i was like okay yeah okay yeah that makes sense i'll do i'll, I'll do my theater thing um and i was watching uh, a video on the internet like a live action video which was crazy and uh it, it was um old english comedy which was a college sketch group that was doing videos on the internet back in the day and um in in one in just like one silly scene Um, These two guys are having an argument in their apartment, and this really peppy, uh, like, uh, 8-bit sounding music is playing in the background, and this guy is playing some really fun-looking game on his computer. And I'm like, what what game is that? I've legit played every Super Nintendo game ever. (laughs) Like, I don't know what game this is. And someone in the comments was like, it's Cave Story. And duh! It's that, Cave Story, don't you know? Duh! duh. It's Cave Story. <laughs> Thanks, internet comment. <laughs> yeah, and that and that sent me um, and that like sent me to Aeon Genesis, which was a, a ROM hacking and translation site, I believe. Uh, but they did the first um, English translation of Cave Story, and I downloaded it and I played that for like uh, a week, and it was just a, a magical experience like i didn't i'd never played a free video game on my computer that was better than anything on the super nintendo
0: <laughs> yeah like it, it certainly it certainly seems like something that could have easily uh been you know a triple a title on the nintendo like the super nintendo and just the the amount of care and and sort of attention that was put into it especially with you know how it's almost like a Metroidvania sort of traversing lots of levels and lots of ground. It could have easily been sort of a almost a bit of a rush job, given how much you you, you travel through it. But uh, I mean, having seen very little and played very little of it, um, which is probably a, a blip on my part. I probably should be jumping into it as much as I can. Um, it is free. It is it is absolutely <laughs> free. Um, now that you've said that, I I feel almost entitled to. Um, <laughs>
1: I mean, that's what that's usually what what I say to people when they're like, "Yeah, I haven't really found the time," and I'm like, "Listen, it is it is a free video game. You can buy it, and it is on Switch. So like, yeah, I are looking for good Switch games. I
0: mean, certainly now, like now that I have one, I've I've obviously got uh, more of a, um, I've now been ordered to, I guess so so to speak. But um, <laughs> like that sort of game, especially the sort of. I've been dealing with a lot of bullet hell games and a lot of um, Mm -hmm. sort of exploration games, a lot of adventure games throughout the years. And it sort of seemed like that perfect combination of all those sorts of styles. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. It, um, it, it's definitely born out of the, uh, the, the Japanese indie scene, which um, I guess Tohu project like kind of exemplifies that, which is like one of the, uh, main examples of the bullet hell genre, uh, where it's just bright colors, lots of uh lots of bullets and lots of like uh mesmerizing patterns. And Cave Story certainly has that. Um, but it's also got Cave Story is a master of like this sort of tension and release tension like flow where there are these very intense bits and then you're in an RPG style town where you're going at your own pace and you're talking to everybody and then there's a boss and the the tension ramp, ramps up again and then we're back to learning about the story. Like, it's just got such a good mastery of of those two sides and it's like, you have Tohu on one on one side and you have, like, Final Fantasy VI on the other. It's, it, it is, like, an unmistakably Japanese game.
0: Yeah, it's so many sort of, it's like a melting pot of... Of all these sorts of genres and styles, and and I guess mm. it's it's more more often than not, most of the indie games that you see nowadays are sort of a reflection of um, the person making them, and and sort of what mm. um, what they've been sort of brought up with, and what they've really enjoyed, and obviously now you can sort of um, you can sort of back me up on that sort of the way you built Hake, or oh, sorry, Hake Hack. It's, it's such an oddly worded uh, game. I have I'm to sorry, apologize.
1: I, had to, I had to name the file something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an interesting that's, name. That's how I got the that. title. Um, that's how
1: I got the title. I just had to name the file something.
0: <laughs> I mean, obviously you can back me up and, and sort of the, the games that you were brought up with and the things that you enjoyed, obviously Cave Story being one of them, mm-hmm. the things that you... Uh, really enjoyed, helped influence the game that you created. And it must have been the exact same thing for, for Pixel, obviously, real name Daisuke Amaya. Um, Mm. It's, it seems like a, a, a labor of love once again, um, bringing that sort of um, that story full circle uh, from, from asking about uh, hack as well. Is it, it must've been something that you were really sort of taken by because if you'd loved the game so much, it must have played a huge part in in Hack as well.
1: I mean, as I get a little older and as I make a few more games, the the sort of auteur game developer designer thing seems a little hollower. Like in my mind, uh, Pixel is this like incredibly romantic figure that uh, is he just he just made the game that was inside of him and he and he like gave it to the world and the world and and the world was happy with it and it it, it is like this perfect romantic thing in my head and I know there were a million problems uh, there are a million problems with thinking about it that way but there are also a million problems there were probably a million problems for him getting the game out and uh, in eventually getting paid for it but. Um, that That game was the first to um sort of express a single person's self in video game form, yeah and I still think that idea is super valuable and super underutilized like the the fact that the fact that cave story is um a, a, an extremely polished vision that it manages to um not necessarily touch on issues, but it, it manages to just express itself is something that's like kind of taken for granted. I think like we didn't have like a big, like we didn't have the phrase ludonarrative distance. We didn't have a lot of <laughs> like uh video game criticism up to that point. Like there was, there were so many things that pixel had to uh, know, or maybe they just muddled into like, i think i've forgotten the question with my fanboying
0: (laughs) no i mean like i was just stunned listening to all of it and it was um providing a real good sort of sum up i guess of of why um the game was so important to you and and why the game is so important to uh, not just indie games but games in general that sort of you're reflecting on how it was a a reflection of the person who made it um And like you said it was it was they didn't have those sorts of criticisms or sort of ways of thinking about video games at the time they just made what they uh what they enjoyed um and, and sort of reading yeah. about it like it's it, he seemed like he was very big on metroid and very big on castlevania and um and all those sorts of run and jump and 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 hack and slash sort of games and um and it was just the way that he made that game uh, and sort of pieced it together in such a bright and colourful and sort of obviously unique way um, really helped uh, develop that game into something that uh, was bigger than than games in general. It was a creation that um, really, I guess, could transcend uh, video games and, and, and sort of create something that was uh, bigger than games.
1: Yeah, and um, I'm not... I'm not sure like you can really play Cave Story in 2018 and grasp all of that history or if you even should. Like it it is a fun game, but we've come a long way from Cave Story. It still mm. holds up as a fun game, but it's hard to it's hard to keep that history in mind when you play it. Um because you know we're living in a post braid, post fez, um, like indie, I- indie is everywhere. Yeah, and and the indie bubble, like if if we're looking at Steam, it looks a lot like the indie games bubble is about to burst and come crashing down. Like, it's. <laughs> Thank you, cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's just. Um, it, it was weird in its time and it seems extremely normal in our time.
0: Hmm. And, uh, and that's, that's the way that you 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 speak about it is obviously, um, a unique way of thinking because when you look at, you know, places like steam Greenlight, um, they may have looked at a game like cave story and thought, well, you know, we can do something like this or we'll, you will make it just as bizarre. And, um, I feel like people may have taken the game for granted sort of, um, and that that's a real shame because I think it was built with such genuine heart and genuine care, and I don't think people had really been uh, using the the real um, spirit of the indie game in the best way. And I think that that, like you said, the indie bu- indie bubble, as a result, may be about to burst, mm. which is a shame.
1: It is a shame. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. Like, if there's much to. Be done about. I mean, Valve can certainly like change some things, but the same system that let me sell hack and make a living is also kind of the same system that's killing like discoverability of indie games right now. It's it, there are so many like games being released uh, and and the and the num- uh, on Steam every month, and the number is only ramping up. I think in February, forty games were releasing a day. Like that's. Might be wrong. That sounds like a lot. I don't know if I'm remembering that right. It, it but,
0: I, I haven't got the stats up myself, but I mean, it, it does sound like a lot, and it, I can see what you mean. It's, it's probably uh, oversaturating the uh, the landscape for indie games, I guess.
1: Yeah, and it's not like Cave Story hails from this mythical time where there were less games. Like it, it kind of does, but it, but like also the click and play scene was very saturated and there there was stuff to play online flash was becoming a, a, a bigger thing but cave story was just the first game i i can remember that felt crafted you know mm. it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a commercial mass market product it was something very carefully and intentionally made to, uh to one person's standards yeah that is that and i I still think in the canon of video games that's extremely rare
0: yeah and i think to be honest i think that's probably the perfect way to uh to round it out and and sort of uh look back on a, a fantastic game um ladies and gentlemen that is unfortunately the end uh of the episode here uh we would love to thank kevin cole for coming on you've been a pleasure kevin
1: Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Uh,
0: if you'd like to follow Kevin, you can do so on Twitter at real Kevin Cole, And you can also follow uh, Hack's Twitter as well, at Hack, which is H-A-Q-U-E-R-L. Uh, and go check it out. It looks like a fantastic game. I'm going to be probably picking up a, a copy of it as soon as I'm done here and, and probably jumping in. I'm not a big RPG person myself, but uh, like you've the videos and and you've really convinced me with this one to be honest um thanks so much man (laughs) and uh of course if you'd like to follow us here at one perfect game you can do so on twitter at opg pod you can also follow me on twitter at it's tilby uh but ladies and gentlemen that is the end of the episode my name has been matt tilby that has been kevin cole and we will see you next time take care